uh, media on places like Chicago and whenever they do, the, and especially places like the United States, much of the rest of the world gets this impression that when they come here, they're gonna have to be ducking bullets. Um, this is because the media exaggerates, astronomically exaggerates these kinds of events. These no. kinds of events usually just report so I was just in Chicago last week. It was just, it was safe, uh, you know, in all of the parts of the city that one would usually walk, utterly safe. You felt like, it, you know, it's changed a lot in 20 or 30 years. You start going to certain parts of town where there's, you know, a drug trade that still goes on. Well, they, you know, drugs are illegal, so they've got to take the law into their own hands. And that's, you know, a, sort of a, just a necessary consequence of what happens when it's uh, an illegal product. Take away those diamonds, I don't need those rocks. A second-hand car and a new pair of socks. I want liberty without conditions. Yep. And it's good evening, everyone, from Chasing Descent, episode 15. 15, and we break new ground. We have a very special guest on tonight. In fact, the first guest that Chasing Liberty had. It's Mark Changizi, all the way from Chicago. So we're looking forward to having a chat with him. Um, we'll see if he fits into our kind of... What would you call it? Wacky way? Wheelhouse? I've been able to talk absolute nonsense for an hour and a half. Um, Mark, do not fear. Do not fear and do not feel that you have to stay here um, until the end of the podcast. You just stay as long as you're comfortable. Um, we'll talk about a few things and we'll bounce a few ideas around each other and see how things go. How's that sound, Ben? That sounds that great. Sounds, that sounds good to me. Sounds uh, absolutely yeah, John, you once again lead the show tonight. Well, because the first question I've got to ask, Mark, is you live in Chicago, right? And no, and I actually, read, I actually I, live in I just I live in Columbus, Ohio, about six yeah, hours oh, away. Sorry, sorry. Sweet. Oh, yeah. You're near Chicago, though. Yeah. Yeah. And and I read the other day that you're 35 times more likely to be shot in Chicago than you are to die from COVID. Uh, I certainly don't know the numbers. I'd have to go look up. It's, it certainly doesn't surprise me. Um, and those numbers, that ratio would uh, certainly go up, I would imagine, if you focused on those without, you know, comorbidities, young folks. Uh, yeah. And the folks that are actually, I presume, involved in those killings are disproportionately young folks and gangs who have zero risk from COVID and a lot more risk from, you know, uh, their friends, their quote unquote friends on the street that are, you know, not really their friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well, yes. Um, that's not really a problem that we see here in this country because obviously guns are illegal for the most part here. But, um, a few stabbings, though. Oh, we get a fit of London uh, we, is stab city, to be fair. Um, and that's not being sort of facetious either. And it's just going up and up and up and up and up. The rate of stabbings in London is just. It's 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 like the Chicago situation with the guns. All of these people they call them, you know, brother, friend, family, whatever, and then they people stab each other. It's just yeah. it's horrific, really. And they're definitely not friends, like you say, Mark. They're definitely yeah. not friends. I, you know, it, this is sort of in line with the kinds of stuff with with COVID. You know, what you get from the uh, media on places like Chicago, and whenever they do, the, and especially places like the United States, much of the rest of the world gets this impression that when they come here, they're going to have to be ducking bullets. Um, this is because the media exaggerates, astronomically exaggerates these kinds of events. These no. kinds of events usually surely, just report. Surely in, not. Yeah. yeah. So I was just in Chicago last week. It was just, it was safe, uh, you know, in all of the parts of the city that one would usually walk, 
utterly safe. You felt like, it, you know, it's changed a lot in 20 or 30 years. You start going to certain parts of town where there's, you know, a drug trade that still goes on. Well, they, you know, drugs are illegal, so they've got to take the law into their own hands. And that's, you know, a, sort of a, just a necessary consequence of what happens when it's uh, an illegal product. So, yeah. well, indulge me, indulge me for a moment and I'll, I'll tell you guys a story. So let's go back to 1983 and, and I'm traveling across um, the US with my mate. We just decided to come over on a plane and get a Greyhound bus across the states and we, I think we hit, we hit 25 states within two weeks. So you can imagine we, we didn't see a lot of each state but we got a, a, a good overview of of America as it was in 1983, um, from coast to coast and back again. Yeah. yeah. So we're we're standing in a we're we're in the uh, the bus station in San Francisco, and we're waiting on a bus, and we hears all these sirens coming. And we looks out the big picture window, and there's there's a, a car appears over the hill coming down towards the the bus station, and then there's about four, five, six police cars chasing it with the blues and twos going. And they come screaming down the hill and the car slides to a halt right outside the bus station. The doors burst open. The police cars are all coming to a halt. The doors are busting open. The cops are jumping out with their guns. And I looks around the bus station at this point and everybody is lying on the floor apart from us. Because <laughs> 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 we're just standing there watching this awestruck. But yeah, um, that was the only that was the only violence that I saw in America in 1983. One uh, thing yeah. I will say is I've been to Orlando uh, with with the family when I was younger many many times. You know, Disney World, the theme parks, all of that. And every time I seem to go over there, every time without fail, and I'm talking we've been more than a dozen times. I might add. Someone always got shot in the car park of the world's largest McDonald's on International Drive. Always the same place. Always, whenever we were out there, someone was shot in that goddamn car park. Well, the drugs are good there. Well, <laughs> well. It's like, it's like most towns and cities. If you stay away from the drug people and you're not involved in that scene, you very, very rarely see an awful lot of violence. Yeah, that's a gun comorbidity right there. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on to, let's move on to, to things as they are here. And and maybe you can tell us how things are there, Mark. So we're getting an awful lot of propaganda, both in France, where I am, and in uh, England, where Ben is. Oh, Jesus, we're, yes. We're getting so much propaganda on mainstream media about take the vaccine you know, save granny, people are dying, the cases are going up, you know, you must take the vaccine. It has to, we need to have uh, we need to have 80 or 90 percent of the people vaccinated in order to get herd immunity, which, which is a new one on me. But this is the, the theme that's coming across uh, on on mainstream media here. And it's been pursued by the government. They're implementing COVID passes. You can't in France yeah. now, you can't actually sit in a terrace at a bar or restaurant, so you can't We've all sit seen outside. Them videos, John. Yeah, you can't sit outside without, you know, having having your COVID pass. So, yeah. what's happening in the states? How's it over there? Well, I'd say the propaganda is uh, very similar. Every I don't watch most much mainstream, you know, TV, but you know, you turn on the radio in the car, and uh, all of the, of course, you know, all the all the social media on the sides, all the ads, all the little sent not censoring, but like. 
or you know anything that mentions COVID, any post that says below, hey, would you like to read more about vaccines and the you know fact checked you know information? So all so you're constantly being bombarded on all sides by the same uh, uh, messages. In terms of actual vaccine passports, we're a lot more variable and and a lot less far along, even in the states that are wanting to do it, than mm -hmm. it appears uh, much of Europe is. In my own state of Ohio, we've been very low on the Karen scale, even better than Florida throughout, um, uh, just in spite of the gover governor, not because of it. But even here in the last- I was going to say, the governor was a bit of a Nazi throughout, uh, especially at the start. <laughs> yeah, but a lot of these things are de are determined by the, the, the just the demeanor and the attitudes of the public. And the public here, just for whatever reason, was more laid back. We're a we're a blue city in a in a red state, but even the city of Columbus has been relatively, compared to everywhere else that I've traveled, relatively laid back throughout. And as soon as they some people started whispering about taking the masks off, like you know earlier this year, boom, the masks were almost off everywhere very quickly. Yeah. Um, we do have now a few. You know, one of my favorite venues, uh, uh, live music venues, now has just voluntarily. I don't think it's purely voluntary. I think they feel under threat. They've been sort of semi, semi you know, implicitly threatened from the state that because they're a music venue and there's all the singing and you know, con uh, congregating, that they better do something or it would be shame if something were to happen to your license or whatever. So they've yeah. they voluntarily, quote unquote, uh, uh, requiring vaccination passports. And I've sent a letter to them and um, you know, sort of making the case of why that's a bad idea, both scientifically and ethically. Um, and we have a bunch of other things that just in the last week have started to say, uh, we are asking people to wear masks again. And then I wrote angry letters to them and on Twitter, and they came back and said, no, 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 we're not demanding it, we're just asking. Like, <laughs> you know, when you say asking, it doesn't mean asking, it means really <laughs> nice, but, but they're now claiming that they're just asking. But of course, none of the, none of the people that show up uh, are gonna know that. Um, so there's, there's a little bit more pushback this time around, I think, than last time, because a lot of them are only asking and hoping that it, they, people think it means telling. But we'll see what happens. It's, it's a big, it's sort of, it'll be a litmus test in the next couple of months as the uh, summer wears off to see what happens in any given state and locale. We have the advantage of, of course, extreme federalism here in the United States with lots of experiments going in lots of different places, which can provide examples and sort of competition amongst these locales. Um, so I'm hoping that might be, I think that is in a, been the savior to some extent. Uh, relative to Canada, you know, and 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 much much of the rest of the world, uh, but we'll see. Yeah. So, <clears throat> it, it, I've come to the conclusion that it's not about health. You know, uh, no, the, it's definitely not. You know the vaccine. So, I mean, we've seen we've seen the cruise ship with fully vaccinated passengers have an outbreak. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, look so, at what we're seeing in Iceland right now. Iceland yeah, has well, nearly 90% of their population have been uh, and vaccinated. And, and they're seeing... And uh, Gibraltar. They're yep. all highly vaccinated populations and they've all taken a, a, an, an increase, not only in cases, which I hate the term because it's... I hate the term because it's useless. But, but not only in cases, but also in, in deaths because the deaths are starting to uptick. But are they? Because what, yeah, well, is a, what is well, a COVID death? What is a COVID death? Well, I'm not looking at it as, I'm not splitting it into COVID deaths. I'm just looking at the excess deaths. And okay. started, there's an uptick in, there's an uptick, uptick in England. Okay. But let me ask you something, right? Because, and Mark, you, you might be able to jump in on this as well. It's the middle of summer here. It's the height of summer. Um, right. 
last summer there was no vaccination program at all and quote unquote covid was quote unquote running rampant and yet at this time last year it basically fell to zero whereas at this time this year with a max mass vaccination program it is going up and up and up and up it's ticking up yeah it went down but now it's ticking up and they're threatening us new lockdowns new this new that um it's the height of summer and uh, correct me if i'm wrong but these these respiratory viruses these upper respiratory viruses are seasonal uh, am i am i wrong yeah yeah sure they're seasonal i i have i've you know i've gotten out of the, in the beginning of the first year i was just sort of constantly looking at uh euro momo and world of meter i have you know i haven't been yeah. paying attention to all the different as much as i was before but you know i i didn't i would imagine that cases might be on the rise i'd be surprised to see uh deaths much on the rise other than some very small bumps this time of year but the cases potentially could go on the rise and i no one is you know a lot of these dyna case dynamics of what happens through seasonality just haven't been known before we in, in understanding exactly how why seasonality exactly happens is still a bit of a mystery, but it's um, long. So, so how the cases rise, and then a couple months later, then you have uh, um, actual sicknesses and um, you know uh, serious sicknesses, and eventually death over the winter. But probably there's a uh, it proceed. There's a time in the summer when people are also, by the way, are heading into air conditioning because it's too hot, and so yeah. you may have a little bit of um, what wouldn't be traditionally. Uh, uh, any cases or, 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 or much uh, mortality happening potentially because of the air conditioning and going inside, or historically that wouldn't have happened. So, uh, but yeah, so people are, are pointing to the vaccines to explain um, why these uh, uh, curves have fallen off, which is of course uh, uh, ridiculous uh, to, there could be greater falling off by virtue of vaccines, but it's not because it's falling off in summer. Well, it fell off this time last year, like I say, um, yeah. I, I, in what they call cases. Um, and I really do hate that term, same as John. It fell off Sand's vaccine program and to a further degree than now. Um, and it's, it's, it's like people have just forgotten what happened last year. And, well, the, we, the we, we can talk. More importantly, last year, deaths fell off as well. Of course and they, they fell did, off yeah. almost nothing. Now this year, and and I've been looking at Euromomo every week. I post an update every Tuesday on Twitter about what's happening in Euromomo, and we're we're seeing an actual uptick this week in mm. Spain, yeah, and then and in England and a tiny bit in Scotland. Now the the NHS in England have said that um, there's been a, an increase in people having heart attacks and dying at home. Okay. Yes. But the question is, why? Why has there been a sudden increase in heart attacks and people dying at home now, when it's been it hasn't happened in the last few months? So well, one well, has they, to think: is there something causing the people to be having heart attacks and dying at home? Yes, or, and, and or am I, I, see, am I, I going down a rabbit hole? Well, no, I can see your train of thought. And um, I mean, we saw the video today, this morning from the uh, young Australian um, news reporter. She works for, uh, it was either the Independent or the Telegraph or something like that, in hospital with heart inflammation after her second yeah. treatment um, and still saying, you know, this, this woman looked young, healthy. Um, and she's saying, uh, I'll take it on the chin. And some of us will have to take it on the chin for this, this treatment program. Uh, because uh, the alternative is is COVID. And once again, Mark, correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, 
30 something looks in good shape healthy um doesn't not, have not, much risk not, from covid no obvious, no obvious comorbidities no obvious comorbidities no but doesn't have much risk yeah i mean the, the, much of the you know, there's two motivations to take it one is a selfish motivation to protect yourself um, for normal vaccines um, as they traditionally have been described one yeah. is a self motivation to reduce your risk but the other is a little bit more of a of a of a community kind of sense that i'm going to do it because it slows the transmission down for everybody because you know you know that not everybody's going to take it you're going to, you know that some of the old people can't because they're immunocompromised and it's just really it's a shock it can I, i'm a, i'm immunocompromised yeah, so and a lot of definitely, you know, everybody that has comorbidities and is older is it's always dangerous to take any even a UTI can urinary tract infection can, can push them over the edge. Any little fall can push them over the edge. So it's not always recommended for these old folks that are have many comorbidities to take a vaccine. So you're doing this for this community sense that it's it's not a big skin off my nose and it does help me. Um, there may be some small risks, but I think overall I'm helped, so I'll do it. Now, it appears, and I'm still unclear, but even the New York Times and even uh, Walensky is, are, is saying this, that the uh, vaccines are not slowing transmission, that they seem to be no. uh, just providing a, a benefit to the individuals that are taking it, in which case the community sense for why you would take it. So if you're taking it on the chin for the community, there's just no reason. It becomes a much simpler calculus for individuals, which is just do I, who, given my age and my comorbidity status, um, do I benefit sufficiently to undergo the risks, albeit small, even if the risks are only just five days of being annoyed, that alone is a very serious risk, given that you've got such a low, you know, you've got lower than flu-like risks for yeah. most folks that don't have any comorbidities and are under 50 or, you know, or 40 or so. So it's a much simpler calculus. You don't have to think about the community or anything. No, it's just, is it good for you or not? And that should be up to you to decide. Well, see, uh, my doctor uh, actually told me, don't do it. So that's what my doctor said. You know, yeah. don't take these um, because I have conditions and yeah. um, I'm going to I'm going to listen. And, and this is the thing. Also, I, I the thing that I would I would I would I would say to people is um, when you're going to have this conversation, have it with your GP, have it with your personal doctor, because your health and, and things, that's that's the person who's going to know it the most in, in a lot of cases. Um, and I would rather listen to my GP over a TV doctor. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's so frustrating just seeing um, how how much people have fallen for propaganda. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the thing that gets me though is, what's the propaganda for? Because initially, it was all about we, we'll we'll get the vaccine, we'll protect protect the elderly. You know, the other vulnerable people, the other people that are dying from it, it's all 81 plus or whatever. You know, the average age is very high. We'll get them all vaccinated. We'll get people back in, seeing their, their grandparents in, in the nursing homes or whatever. So we'll be able to see people and we'll be able to live a normal life. But that, okay. that has completely changed. Of course so we've it has. Gone from, we've gone from that last year before we had the vaccine because, you know, that's what we were going to do when the vaccine came. But now we're talking about vaccinating kids and and in some cases we're down to no vaccinating sense. newborns some people it, are talking about vaccinating newborns but it makes I, no sense I, I can't make sense of it and from a scientific perspective i can't see i can't see why this is such a requirement because if it's if it's not if it's not preventing transmission and it's not stopping spread then it's not going to confer any health immunity beyond catching it normally and passing it on, is it? Right. And even if you thought it was, 
preventing transmission like, you know, like, like your typical vaccine, um, it's not incumbent upon, for those folks that have a slight benefit or a good benefit by virtue of vaccines, then you can encourage them to do it for the, both reasons. It's good for you and good for community. Yeah. But it's a serious ethical issue if you're asking an individual, even a consenting individual, to take something that might be a wash as to whether it's good for you. Maybe it's even potentially slightly bad for you, but good for the community. And for children, there's just, it's very hard to argue that there's anything good for them. There's like a 20 times, 15, 20, 10 to 15, you know, these are high, much higher uh, risks of, of, of serious of death and, and serious complications from flu than from COVID. And no one would ever think about asking them to do a vaccine uh, for flu, a, a kind of mandatory vaccine. So it, it, it's, the risks are so low that it's, that it's, that it's a really uh, unethical or, or uh, pushing on unethical to even think about it, even if they were, tra- and that were, uh, if, even if, it, if the vaccine was preventing transmission. Yeah. Which is not. Yeah, and I, I read earlier today, um, for for a boy who gets the vaccine, i.e. under 20 or whatever, they're four time, 14 times 14 more likely times. to get myocarditis than they are to die from COVID. Yeah. yeah. And that's... Now, all, that's yeah. And that's all of these numbers are tiny, right? I mean, these are all point oh oh. I mean... Oh, yeah. These yeah, are, I know, they're now, tiny. Yeah. But, yeah. but even so, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, but... I think when this is, this is just me spitballing here, but when you have adults on TV saying we need to do this to children to protect us. So basically they're trying to create a shield for the adults via the children. I think society has lost its mind in that sense, because as a father of two small children myself, and I don't know if you have children, Mark, but, yeah. but John, yeah. Um, as parents, we're supposed to protect them. They're not. They're not here to protect us. And we've got to a point where it's been normalised. TV doctors, and I say that in inverted commas, going going on national, international TV, and saying these children need to be our shield. And people look at that and think, well, oh, that's fine. It's not fine. I, I I don't know whether or not you guys agree with me, but. No, society has kind of lost its mind. It's collectively going nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, well, it definitely has. I mean, this is. I mean, there's two ways to. And you know, this is where I'm a little bit different than the average. You know, there's, there's tons of good data scientists, good scientists, sorts of folks that are, and I'm a scientist by background as well. And I, you know, and data scientists and all these sorts of things. But uh, in arguing the science on the, you know, the two dozen different kinds of topics from masks to IFR to do interventions work and all of these, none of this is going to convince anybody because it's not really about that. And then of course, there's lots of folks on my side who, who agree it's not about the science, it's not about the virus, it's a conspiracy. And it's not that either. This is all of these things that are going on are in fact emergent phenomena by virtue of bunches of you know, humans which have uh, uh, tendencies to, you know, to enter these sort of spirals of mass hysteria. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's lots of bad actors and there's a lot, and, and this doesn't necessarily even excuse people. Even tyrannies, the ones that, you know, my family in Iran suffers from, these often were, you know, the inception of these things and, and they continue onward for generations sometimes are sort of a weird mass hysteria. And that doesn't mean that people are all, um, uh, uh, you know, that they're, they're not culpable. But to understand these things, you have to, to realize that it's not, the people that you're arguing with have a, a proximal argument that they're making 
But in fact, the actual explanation, which is undergirding the large-scale effects in society, are, is a different kind of thing. It's one that concerns positive feedback loops and reputation networks that have all gotten fucked up. And now they really do, most of them, believe what they believe. And even when they're yeah. doing insidious things like like the UK government, the SAGE panel, you know, coming up with uh, sh- tricky psychological ways to scare people. Oh, believe me, I've, I've lived it. Right. They're I've, doing I've that. I've lived it. With, yeah. And it's, 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 that's both, both evil, but with intent from their point of view, they would argue that they're doing the right thing because they believe it was so dangerous and it's because in everything, every, every premise that they're based it on is completely wrong. They're believing it is so dangerous to society and so blah, 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 over and over again that this, the best safe, the safest way for society is, is to move forward with the kind of scare tactics, which gets people to, yeah. to listen to it so that they can minimize the damage and so forth. But the, so road, that, the, road, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, yeah. they say. Right. But um, but we certainly are on the road to hell. I mean, I'm I'm in yeah. I'm in England. I'm in the UK, and we are going we are going downhill fast. I mean, they they but July nineteenth Freedom Day. That was a joke, wasn't it? Yeah. There's it no was. fucking there's no fucking freedom here. Excuse my language. It's look just at the, look at the parallel, right? The the marks just outlined. Look at the parallel with climate change. Okay. Right? So look at look at what's happened there. It's gone down exactly the same route. But, but have... then this is just every cult, John. This yeah. is just cult it's cult like thinking. Yeah, well it, it kinda is, but you've got yeah. you have you have a number of climate scientists who now whether they believe or not that climate change is, is anthropogenic doesn't matter. Because no. they can't speak out, because then they'll be ostracised by their own group. I mean, even look at look at Latimer Aldo that I've interviewed. He won't yeah. tell he won't tell us who he is, because he doesn't want to be ostracised by his peers. Which is which is a shame. Um, yeah. And there are there are so many scientists. I mean, Michael Levitt, for example, a brilliant Nobel Prize winning data scientist. Um, who tried to speak out and just got lambasted, ostracized um, yeah. for 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 quoting factual data? Yeah, well, I mean, look at the I, the IPCC's latest report. It, it's an absolute joke. Yeah, it's got no real science in it. All their models, every model that they go into, has vastly overestimated the warming effect of CO two, or the warming effect of you know man made activities. So they've yeah. vastly overestimated that. So they're putting massive numbers into the, the 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 models that aren't actually happening and aren't evidenced by changes that occur. Mm. Um, and then they, they completely overlook the, the the recent finding of uh, solar wind forcing of upper atmosphere particles that are in, that are changing the temperatures in the upper atmosphere, and that percolates down to the lower. And yeah. they've completely ignored that. You know so. I mean, it, it, it's not a science-based argument that they've put forward. It's a gut-based argument. And yeah, and like I said, unfortunately, this is every, these this kind is of every gut-based cult. arguments hit the common man, and mm-hmm. they think, you know, I, I think as more or less Mark has said for COVID, and then you, then you get Extinction Rebellion setting prams on fire. Well, yeah, exactly. That's yeah, exactly. What seems to happen. Yeah, and then um, they're talking about doing away with animals because we have to save the planet by not eating meat. 
do you know they tried to um they try it's about three or four weeks ago um some sage scientists recommended that all of our cats be rounded up and cold our pet cats uh for for covid um, yeah I, they were mentioning that even last march or april as a something and, and, and never yeah. then i did they stop talking about that yeah they start they started talking about it again here three or four weeks ago um uh, one of one of their one of their scenarios is that all of our pet cats are rounded up and cold. Um, now I, I, I've got four. Pet, I've got I've got four pet cats, and nobody's coming around them up. I can tell you that. But you can't you can't go for British pets. I mean, the British will let you take their kids. I know. But they won't let you take their cats. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I I won't let you take either. To be fair. No, um, no, but I'm I'm, I'm being. I'm being be- disingenuous deliberately, but you know, if they're, if they're going to stand up for anything, it's going to be for their cats and dogs. Of course, oh it my is. God. Yeah. yeah, of course it is. I'm so shocked, actually, that more people didn't come out in the defense of their pub because that is a British institution and yeah. Yeah. They, they just abandoned it. They just abandoned the pub. I mean, I don't drink alcohol, I'm not a drinker, um, but. Even even I can see the damage, the destruction these anti-science edicts have done um, to to institutions like the pub, the hospitality, and now they're being threatened once again. They're saying, "Oh, we're going to be locking you down again, quite possibly in October and over Christmas." I would I would go further. I think they've done damage to the British psyche. I think oh, absolutely. Right. But I don't think I, I go one further than you. I'd say they've done damage to the global psyche. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I said, we can we can make, we can we can stick onto a point I just made. What we are seeing is like a cult. It really, really is like a cult because so much of this, uh, so much of these edicts, these lockdowns, these these mask mandates, are not backed by any sound science whatsoever. And in fact, when you go and start doing things like comparisons with places that have locked down versus haven't locked down, you can't find a consensus that says that these things work. And yet, um, if, if, if a government announces a lockdown, most people will comply because they think it works. And yet, when you, when you, when you go down into it, the nuts and bolts of it, it doesn't work. There's no evidence to state that it works. And yet, it's just blind faith. It's like a cult. Yeah, and, it, and it, because when it becomes a cult, it, it's true to say that they believe that they that lockdowns work. They believe that masks work, and they believe that vaccines uh, work much much more ably than they in fact do. Um, but another, you know, but it goes beyond that. These are kinds of beliefs that are like uh, filled with essences, like fundamental essences yeah. that when engaged in these kinds of behaviors, that good doing that you're doing is really, in some yes. sense. What at the back of their mind is really why they're doing it. Um, and, you know, one of the things that makes, you know, before this happened, I, you know, I realized there was mass hysterias in terms of uh, global warming, a lot of this woke stuff, these transsexual men and women's sports. And this, you can start listing dozens and dozens of kinds of uh, cult-like things that are going on in, in mass culture. And I just didn't really want to get into most of these, uh, you know, yeah. job requirements in Iran, which I, you know, I, I would speak up a bit here and there. But a lot of these things were just, you know, they were they're drags on society that are sufficiently slow that we can survive them, you know. And uh, but in, in most of these things, by the way, they create metaphors 
of infectiousness. You know, you, if you've got the big, uh, massive SUV, the big SUV or the big Hummer, that's a gas guzzler. People in that cult look at you like an unclean person, right? Yeah. You are unclean. Just having that car is a signal of your unclean. And then they can have their uh, little electric cars, which is a virtue signal of how good they are. This, yeah. These things, these, these things are happening all over the place. But what made so in Iran, and I've you know talked about this before on the other last year presumably, the the women that don't wear hijab in the right way or they let a lock of their hair come out, these are the unclean people, and their infectious their behavior can infect other women, and and it can infect men to be feel you know have this feeling of 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 you know wanting them. All of the there's always infection. You know Jews are infectiously unclean. The bourgeoisie are un infectious. If you even were friends with the bourgeoisie, it infects uh -huh. you and. Are also unclean. What made this much worse, and those as bad as they were, I mean, I mean, the, in, in, I'm not in terms of this being worldwide uh, and spreading worldwide. Um, in this case, it really was something that's infectious, and so there's the yeah, there's the the you, there is a science story behind the infection. So you can really make a story that yeah, there is really something infectious, and when something is truly infectious, uh, uh, it triggers not only fear that makes people then have fear that's contagious with others, but if you're afraid of, let's say, asteroids coming to hit the Earth, you know, the three of us were in a room, we would be probably huddling together, like trying to protect ourselves, and we'd, you know, we'd congregate together in protection of the tribe. But when people are infectious, the first thing that you do, whether it's an infection metaphor or whether it's reality, um, you immediately are afraid of every other human, or at least every other, essentially, um, those humans who are not clean by virtue of some uh, signal that shows that they're part of the, the, the tribe that's fighting this deep problem. So uh, that's really what this is about, and that's why this has happened so quickly, so fast, and all throughout the world, which was due to social media and the kind of spread that we have, which is the first time I really felt obliged to actually come out and, and, and and get, you know, stick my neck out, which is yeah. anytime you stick your neck out on these kinds of, because just moral outrage will immediately follow, and which is of course what happened. But this was this was not just a simple drain on society that you could get that were growth. No, this is completely overturning society within a month, like we had never seen before, and and a worldwide, um, uh, completely unprecedented. Yes, um, and it just it felt uh, for 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 me anyway. For the most part, it felt so scripted. Uh, everyone was following the same lines, build back better, and all of this bollocks. Um, and 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 this now this uh, this Delta variant, which whether or not we we believe any of the stories surrounding it is neither here nor there. Um, but it's the new it's the new fear, isn't it? Like the Delta variant can come and get you, even if you're double jabbed. Um, it's coming for you, or or Dr. Fauci saying, or oh, we found just as much virus in the nose, in the nasal pharynx of of, an, of a vaccinated person. Just as a matter of interest, I, I don't know how they identify this Delta variant. Because no, I don't either. Would you not have to sequence the, the, the actual virus to try and find out what variant it was? Yeah, and, and the, so what they're trying to tell us is that every single PCR test done, uh, they are sequencing, and I just don't believe it. I don't believe that they are. Any insight so, on that, Mark? Yeah, I, yeah uh, that kind of uh, biology is certainly out of my, my wheelhouse, but I, I suspect that they have some general assumption but based on some meager data that the waves at this point are more likely to be, you know, 
but yeah. it's mostly guesswork on the basis of a small amount of data as to where Absolutely. the wave things are. Yeah. 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 I think that's the way they're going as well. But, you know, the, the, so you might getting back to why why are the vaccinated being asked to uh, quarant uh, to lock down in some places? Why are the vaccinated being asked to uh, wear a mask? Look, the the whole point of a vaccine psychologically is is that psychologically it works when it can replace a mask signal that says, "Hey, I'm part of the club." But vaccines alone are invisible. You can't see whether someone is vaccinated or not, but you can see that they're wearing them. By ha if you have a, a country that can really do vaccine passports, I'm going to say this as if I'm I'm not I'm totally against them. But the advantage from this kind of uh, uh, totalitarian point of view of vaccine passports is that you can actually in, in, induce get them up and running, so they're actually functional, and the unvaccinated are not allowed. Then the mere fact that you're at a store or a restaurant or anywhere in these public spaces is the signal. Yes. You don't need a mask anymore. You don't need even yes. a vaccine. Once you're in. The signal that you're there is your passport, and everybody knows everybody else is clean because they're there. So and my they, warning. And because they don't have that up and running in most places yet fully, then they're still saying, well, now we need to make everybody wear masks because we have, we're walking around with doing the same signaling at all as the un, unvaccinated, unclean people look just like us. We cannot have that. We well, have to exactly. look like yeah, we have to have a way of signaling and differentiating ourselves from them. And right now, the so backpacks aren't there. I always said masks were more theatre than anything else. They were there to signal that there is something wrong, quote unquote. Uh, because as 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 I know, um, whether or not I, I'm right, but from what I've read, uh, I've read many studies over the past year, uh, upper respiratory viruses will uh, not be in any way mitigated by a fabric covering in a community setting. I mean, there's even questions as to whether or not the 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 face coverings within the medical settings work but um it just it just seemed to me like even the british government um when when we reopened restaurants and things like that in july 2020 so the first time we reopened from a lockdown um it's said in the reopening literature that masks inside have little to no effect okay that's what is said in the british government's own literature yeah. then people started complaining and so the British government um, introduced them, removed that section from the reopening literature and, and, and put in something that was very, very telling to me. It was um, we, we are introducing a mask mandate to uh, bring consumer confidence in people returning to the high street. Now, to me, that signals it was all about theatre, all about making they scared people so shitless that um, with, with their propaganda, they wanted to get them back out and, and pumping back into the economy. But without the masks, they didn't think they'd be able to do it. So they made people put masks on to get them out of the houses that they'd scared them into. Um, uh, but but it's it, it's so 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 like you were saying it's it's just the signal. It's the signal of compliance. It's the signal of. Well, uh, I don't. I... Yeah, they, they they wouldn't describe it. Now, when I say that, now there certainly are people in government that may realize that they don't work or they hardly work. It's a you know, and um, and they they're even thinking of it as a signal. But ninety nine point nine nine percent of the people, if I say that the reason that it's there, sometimes there's two different weight notions of reason. And this is why these things are complicated. One is the reasons that are being used to justify it by those who want to wear masks. Yeah, that's 
the, the reason that they're wearing it is because from their own justified point of view, they're going to say, no, masks work. And here's all these studies of all these models that show that they work. They really believe that they work. But if you want to understand the real reason for why it ends up sort of ending up that the community as this emergent psycho-societal mass of primate, uh, you know, humans, it's it, the reason it gets selected for as something that they all believe in is because it's something that's painful and annoying and, and uh, uh, covers your facial identity. It's, it's sort of a sacrifice to wear it. You wouldn't wear it were it not to serve as the signal. So if it turned out it really worked, and it was obvious that it worked and everybody believed it worked, and then the people that are not even into it, they would say, okay, I'll wear it, but I think this is all, all this other stuff is bullshit. It wouldn't work as a virtue signal. Virtue signals have to be silly or contradictory yeah. or harmful or sacrificing. So it doesn't mean that they're consciously saying, oh, I'm doing just this as a virtue signal. Some part of them may in the back of their mind, but, but most of them are just completely un, un, unaware of, of that level of thinking. It's sort of a meta level of thinking that's explaining the immersion effects, not necessarily what's going on in, in individual minds. I mean, I'll tell you what's happened here in, in, in England. Uh, the mask mandate was lifted on July 19th. So we, we, we don't have to wear them anywhere now. I mean, I never did, but we we don't have to. But um, I will tell you, 50 to 60 percent of people at least have still got them on nearly a month later. Yeah. Everywhere you go, in every shop you go. they yeah. they. I, I think that the nudging, the psychological um, psychological torture i would even call it from the sage scientists on the british people has worked gangbusters and as a vaccine a virtual signal as well because it doesn't seem to work as a vaccine well this this is well i mean this is what i was trying to say before is that the vaccine alone you either have to go tell people hey i got vaccinated did yeah. you what they're all doing or yeah. you have vaccination passports up and running where they don't yeah. have to do that anymore because the mere fact that they're there out in public, at least. And of course, then they'll often have implicit vaccination passports at people's parties at their house because they'll just say, hey, are you vaccinated? They'll kind of fish around to get the information. Oh, that's, Those... that's starting already. That is starting because there are people on right. Twitter saying, you know, I've got a vaccine, you know, no vaccine, no entry to my house. Yes, that's true. People are saying that. Um, I, 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 I'll go back to something I was starting to say earlier. Um, I warned in May 2020, very publicly on a video of the, the, the idea of a vaccine passport. In May 2020, this was. And I was called every name under the sun for it. I was ridiculed. I was called conspiracy theorist, the tinfoil hatter. And I mean, I try not to go down rabbit holes. I just try to look at what's happening and, and try and see forward as to what is going to happen. And the British government kind of mentioned it in a passing comment in April 2020. They said, uh, we envision this being ended by uh, some kind of immunity certificate. And then that, that was never mentioned again. But that stuck in my mind. Um, and, and it feels to me, I, I warned, I said, look, this is what's going to happen. They're going to introduce the old vaccine passport. And then when it gets to the following year, it's going to be um, if you want to keep your tick green, because once you it, once you put in such an infrastructure, it's not temporary. It doesn't go away. Um, and if you want to keep your tick green, the, the lists of demands upon that can increase via whoever's in charge of that system. So we're talking We've got the boosters coming up, haven't we? We've got the booster jabs coming up. So people who are saying right now they're fully jabbed, well, they're, they're about to not be fully jabbed anymore because number three is coming. So once we've got the passports in play, uh, that two jabs to keep your tick green turns into three. And then all, all of a sudden, you're, you're another 12, 18 months down the line and you've eaten too many calories this week. So you can't, you can't go out. You can't 
you can't go to a pub you can't you've drunken too many units of alcohol so you're not allowed into an establishment like that and this is my stern stark warning that these things they're not temporary they're the thin edge of a very 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 thick wedge which ends up in the chinese social credit system yeah and it's and it's bad enough but there's two ways it can go one is that the state can mandate um uh, the the businesses do a certain some level of uh, passports along whatever you know whether it's alcohol or uh, flu vaccines and COVID vaccines all but but even even in a more uh, laissez-faire the same people that have a tendency to argue that it's totally okay for the government to mandate businesses or that it's okay for the government to mandate these kinds of discriminatory practices from businesses are the same folks that when the government is not mandating it then say it's totally okay for private businesses to freely, as private businesses, discriminate on this basis. These yeah. are the same folks in the previous sentence were happy to have totalitarian control of private businesses, now suddenly become libertarians in the very next sentence saying, oh, they're yes. private businesses, they can do whatever they want. Yes. Do not believe these people. There's the occasional actual libertarians, it's a consistent position with libertarianism that they might have, I think they're wrong. I think it's, it's, it's a kind of a, a very narrow notion of libertarianism, but don't believe these totalitarians whose only libertarian position is um, when we're not mandating it, we're totally uh, okay with private enterprise mandating censorship, so, discrimination. Well, the, their only their only libertarian position is it's okay when we do it, essentially. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I com- I completely agree with you. Like I I I am I am I guess the definition of a libertarian. I I I am free choice all the way your body your choice and that comes down to other things too i don't think that there should be criminal charges for someone who wants to smoke smoke weed or if they were even if they want to inject themselves with something it's their body and as long as they're doing it in the, in the comfort of their own home and they're not harming anybody uh, other than themselves right if they want to do something stupid to themselves that's their their body their choice and they have to accept the consequences yeah. do, do we think that the current situation then as is basically an evolution of the nanny state that's been, you know, getting more and more prevalent as years have gone on. This is the nanny state on steroids, John. Yeah, this is the yeah, nanny I know that. State on steroids. This is this is like I said. Um, my my prediction, my warning, and so far, uh, out of all the predictions I've made over the last eighteen months, I only got one thing wrong. Um, but my warning is that this is how we get to social credit, and this is this is and and, and it's not far down the line if we continue. It's it's not it's not five years away. It's eighteen months away, John. I'm getting very depressed here. <laughs> um, I'm 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 very I'm very sorry. I'm, I'm I'm struggling to see an exit strategy. How do we get out of this? Um, people, you know, I know it sounds sort of uh, I don't know, but pe- people genuinely do need to wake up. They need yeah, to I know, wake but the, the problem is the problem is. There are so many people that are just—they'll do anything for a quiet life. They'll just well, follow the. They'll just follow along. And this, you know what? These people that say, "Oh well, if it's you know makes my life easier," if it, these people are going to be the downfall of our society. Yeah. Let me just let me just say it as it is. They are going to be the downfall of our society because these people—they um, just—they they want their quiet life. But but they when want it gets two weeks in Ibiza. They want their two weeks in IB for yes, but when it gets to a point where it's something that they really don't like, then they'll speak up. Then it will be too late. Yeah, I think it will. Sorry, sorry for getting a bit passionate and emotional there, Mark. But oh, I, I it, have... 
Yeah, I mean, and, and the problem is that the these these tend to uh, these sorts of events tend to only further centralize government, and a further centralized government probably only exaggerates rather than dampens these sorts of mass hysteria effects because it's bad enough you've got mass, you know you can have mass hysteria in a small tribe you know like when there's hundreds of people and suddenly they think that Judy's a witch and that you know whatever and they or they you know they they, they certainly have these crazy ideas but uh, when you have you know and, and you can have large large numbers billions of us mass hysterias but when you have part of that mass hysteria government which has the ability to do top-down control and do propaganda further and they even believe it you have the ability to start uh, uh, institutionalizing some of these mass hysteria beliefs into structures which then last generations whereas if it was less centralized and flatter and more you know greater decentralization and more federalistic then you have less chance that these things suddenly become part and parcel of the structure of society for the next gen you know the next generation so these effects seem to compound. They create more centralization, which actually enhances the the, the uh, probability of dangerous mass hysterias. Because although it's a bottom up phenomenon amongst everywhere, it's really it's the populace, it's the journalists who are always on the side of the government in many countries because they're worried about you know being on a good relationship with them. And then the, the government then is also hysterical. But then they start implementing these policies, which you know have a tendency to never stop. So that makes it more centralized and that increases these sorts of effects next time. So what we're studying at FreeX, this is this research institute that my colleague Tim Barber and I started earlier this year, is trying to understand the math fundamental mathematics slash psychosocial sort of physics that underlies these kinds of, of, of mass hysteria uh, uh, movements. How does the information flow within these systems? How do social narratives work? How do these how do these how do these things actually happen and how do they depend upon the social network structure, the interaction with with uh, governments and, and various levels of decentralization versus centralization, trying to get a handle on these things so that, you know, maybe we can't unravel them, but we can uh, uh, work towards having, you know, uh, better structures and uh, government in place that minimize the possibilities. You know, for example, you know, the United States, you know, famously, we're, we left, you know, the UK, we're trying to come up with a balance of power system of Having three, you know, uh, having three parts of, of, of federal government that can provide balance, but all of these things are just sort of back of the envelope guesses as to what they thought would work. Let's, there's lots of stuff built in. The states are all federal, you know, separated. You've got the judicial and the legislative and the executive. All of these things are just sort of intuitions that this has got to help, can't hurt. But the question is whether you can really work out. And it's not just about, you know, then it was usually about worrying about one dictator which controls everything top down but they simultaneously also potentially are helping when there are these mass hysterias which usually when there's tyranny it's because there's mass hysterias that are mm. riding the tyrant on their backs so the question is can we really work out what is an optimal structure such that it minimizes the possibility of these sorts of tyrannical mass hysterias because those are the stuff that have led to all the genocides and democides historically, and in thousands of minor, you know, annoyances like, uh, you know, like the woke stuff and uh, and the, the global warming, you know, and just it's all over the place. They're 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 in small scales. Um, they're just they're everywhere. So how can we understand these in a, from a 21st point of view? Is what we're aimed at uh, in this next research uh, at this institute of mine called FreeX. So you're, um, I will ask that you keep us updated on that research um, because I would be very, very, very interested to to keep along with that. I will, I will follow, find whatever, um, wherever you are, um, and uh, fucking, I'm, I'm, 
I'm like John here, man. I'm depressed. I'm really, really depressed because I I wondered. So I do a live show most days, and I've got quite a um quite a quite a quite a loyal small audience, but they're loyal. And the the one thing about all of us is right. Um, we've all been through something in our lives, a hardship. Um, with me, it was uh, sexual assault and living on the streets. Um, with with others, it was uh, it could have been sexual assault or it could have been other things, but very very real hardships. And it almost feels to me like we've spoke about this before. Um, people who have been through something in their life um, have actually had to face up to something and get through it more than say these woke people who have been handed everything on a plate see through bullshit better yeah i mean so i mean I've, I've written about this quite a bit and i don't so why is it that some of us even back in march of 2020 uh saw, saw that this was mass hysteria right away yeah. and you know and see this in many other kinds of minor let's say mass hysteries in, in you know various other realms of life whereas some are just fully uh, within it now there's many reasons potentially, but I think ultimately one of the most, I don't think IQ, I don't think education or academia, in fact, that might be inversely correlated because it just makes you more part of uh, these, these, um, absolutely these, these partisan groups. But I, I think one of the biggest ones, uh, university. Yeah. And even when I was a normal academic in university, whereas I, you know, 10 years ago, I started my own research institute and sort of went independent and I published three work on my fourth book since, since leaving, um, I mean, finishing up my fourth book and then, uh, my sixth book, sorry, but but fourth book since then. Um, even when I was in academia, one of my prescriptive pieces of advice that I would give to students, and I did it for scientific reasons, what not so much political, general societal reasons, but the same applies, was to be aloof. Because even as a, as a scientist, one of the first things you you do mistakenly start going to conferences within some field of whatever you are. Yeah. Once you're in a conference, you start to look up to you know Doug, who's 48 and he's really well known and Judy who's you know 46 and she's like the star of the field and you want to be like Doug and Judy and you know then by the time you're like late 30s yourself there's all these youngsters who are like saying yes sir yes sir and they're batting their eyes at you the young lady you're like a star in that community and you love it but you're just a, a big fish in this tiny little shitty little pond and if you want to be a good scientist you need because once you're in that community not only are you stuck within it because it's socially you like to be there but all the problems and all of the other nearby conferences you know like cousin fields and far away fields they're bullshit they don't really give a crap about those because all the problems that matter in the universe are the problems of your community it's like those maps of london or maps of new york where they show the entire earth and london fills up 97 percent of the earth yeah. And the rest is just bullshit around the side that's the way we we make fun of new yorkers and londoners you know like that because they tend to have that attitude that's what it's like when you're a computer in, a, in, a, in, a, in an intellectual community and you're stuck there and it happens naturally because you adapt and that you create whatever community you're in becomes all of the, the community that matters. So I knew I can't go to conferences. It's going to hurt my career locally because I don't get to know all of these people. And that, that's what ultimately helps you get jobs. But it globally optimizes my career because then I can move from one theoretical area to another that's completely different and hope to have another great idea. So I've always tried to remain aloof both academically as well as politically, I've always tried to stay non-polarized on left or right or any kind of polarizations. So I think to the extent that I was able to see it better than you know a lot of the other folks was I have explicitly tried to remain aloof. And some other people may end up aloof because they had a funny history. You know, maybe yeah. the, you know 
you're mentioning. They're just, they're historical, either in their bones, they have a nature to be aloof, or there's something funny happened in their life, they're just ending up aloof because of peculiarities. Because what makes you, when you're not aloof, the reason that people get believe what they believe is not because of science. They believe what they believe because they're part of a network of people that some of which are higher reputation than others. And the totality of information that you get from those folks who are saying certain kinds of things add up in a you know probabilistic kind of way for you to say, oh, here's what I believe. It's because of you know the media that you respected this and 17 people at different universities are saying these things or whatever it is and, and your mom who you respect and your great aunt or whatever. When you're part of a network, you often view these people as sort of telling you independent in pieces of information. And that's why we believe 99.99% of what we believe, not because we read the paper, not because we saw the data. All of us are like that, even me, who's a hardcore scientist, because I've only believed what I believe in maybe you know two dozen cases of my own research. The rest, it's because somebody I respect, I believe. You know? Absolutely. And if you're in the wrong part of the network and they all start saying the same bullshit, and they're not, in fact, independent anymore because they're hearing the bullshit from somebody else who heard it from somebody else. And it's all a big freaking loop that goes from media to government to populace to public intellectuals to media, all in big loop. Well, they're all going to start believing something crazy with really high probability when those kinds of loops happen. And you would, too. And I would, too. All of us would. We're not immune to it because that's, you know, once you're there, that's the, what why we believe what we believe. So the well, safest exactly, yeah. Yep. I choose the scientists uh, that I, ch I choose certain scientists that I choose to believe. Um, and I have reasons for that. I, I, I tend to believe Johnny and Edis, for example, of Stanford University. Um, and I did from day one. He, he just seemed so balanced, measured, and he did the research and he did the science, unlike many of the people we saw on our TVs. And he was ostracized once again for a while um, until the World Health Organization were basically forced to accept what he was saying. Right. But, in, um, but in, right. but in your case, just to be clear, you already had a you already were aloof before that, because if absolutely. you were in wrong circles, you would have already discounted Ionides. You would yeah. have already had 73 and all of these other people that are now in Biden's administration or whatever. You would have already been listening to them. And, and thus, for good reasons, that is good reasons reputationally in terms of you yeah. were following and with overwhelming abundance of reasons coming from all of these CNN sources and all of these. You would have good reason to discount what Ian Adis was saying and to think he was a bad guy, just like but, they did. So luckily you were aloof before that. Yeah. But to be honest, I looked. But this is the thing. I I, I was all in from day one. Right. I signed up to be an NHS volunteer in this country. Oh. Um, and what really started turning my cogs was we were told we were needed. Um, I'm a disabled man myself, but I signed up to be a driver for the NHS because I, on the TV, they were telling me we were going to need, we'd be needed. So I signed up and a month passed and I wasn't called. Another month passed and I wasn't called. And I was doing, I was doing a job on the side, making deliveries to a local hospital. And um, there was nobody there, Mark. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being, I'm not over-exaggerating here. I've never seen it so empty. And at one point, every night for a week, I went round to the back car park uh, by the psychiatric ward of my local hospital to make deliveries. And there were 200 plus doctors and nurses standing around out in the back car park with nothing to do. And so this really got my cogs turning because we're supposed to be in the height of this so-called pandemic. And, and yet there's 200 plus staff from a major hospital standing around with nothing to do well, and so they were practicing their tic tac dances there's well, a lot of preparation yeah. for that actually yeah there is 
Yeah. Um, so yeah. I've got someone in my chat actually who works in well, in in, in, in the accident emergency department uh, 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 in the NHS. Says this is why the NHS staff aren't coming forward because they're afraid. Yeah. Um, I, I've I've got to thank you, Mark, because I, I've obviously been aloof. Um, so I, when people tell me I'm just a cunt, I can actually <laughs> say no, I'm aloof. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice way of saying you're aloof, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, um, but but anyway, I'll, I'll continue. So I'm I'm seeing this, and then I'm actually looking and listening to what people are saying, and I'm listening to all sides, and I've come to my conclusion because let's let's take Ian Edis for an example again. Did the work, whereas uh, Professor Chris Whitty or Patrick Valance, who are on uh, who are our TV medical stars essentially in the UK didn't do any work. They just went on TV and gave out of context graphs every day that made no sense whatsoever in, in reality. Um, and you've got A, which is these two, and B, which is someone who has done the work. And I've, I've gone, right, well, he, he clearly knows what he's talking about. He can evidence what he's saying. He can back it up. Whereas these two clowns on TV are giving us graphs, not giving us the context for the graph at all. So they're just showing us a line um, and, and expecting me to believe them. It yes. just it, it, it's, it's so frustrating how we talk about the propaganda in, in the UK. None of it has ever been backed by any actual evidence. None of it. It's just been out of context. Um, Fear-mongering, nudging propaganda, and well, I think I think that's been everywhere. Oh, and, absolutely. And and going back to what we touched on last uh, last Sunday, it's strange that an MSN newspaper came out and apologised yes, to the public. In Germany. So the bill, I don't know if you know Mark, but build in Germany. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and, and actually apologised for fear-mongering. So. I've been disappointed that no one else has followed them. Well, I'm like a I, yeah, what what actually pressured them to do that? That's so strange. Yeah. Uh, doesn't usually happen. Well, this is it. And just because they have apologized does not even if every uh, news news outlet news organization yeah, in this not, country came out and apologized now, I would not forgive them because they still no, did it. It's not it's not excusable, but at least then they would be recognizing that they had made an error and we could then maybe start to rebuild some trust in them. But as it stands just now, you just can't watch MSN. There's no point. No. Um, Natasha, who who works in the health service, she's in my chat right now. Um, she says, thank you, Mark, for articulating what has happened. Uh, thank you for mentioning. Any, any other uh, chat questions? I'm no? just having a look. It looks like the chat has been having a massive conversation between themselves. But hey, if hey, there guys. are... Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, if 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 there are any uh, questions you want to chuck in, guys, uh, go ahead and start chucking them in, and we will try and get them through. But um, I'm I'm going to go back to John's question from earlier. How do we get out of this? How do we get out of this? Yeah, that's a you know I I call that the trillion dollar you know holy grail question is how to get out of this or how to not get in these things again. Yeah. You know, as you know, my, my family comes from Iran and they're, although they you know, the initial cult, the initial Islamic revolution was sort of a, a stereotypical revolution like kids would imagine with, you know, folks with guns and 
and overthrowing a king. That's the kind of stuff that your intuitions. But a lot of what really happened after that, that really made it so such a big cultural change was a, a totally different process. In the beginning, you know, the, uh, it was you only have to wear maybe a headscarf or a shador when you're going to government buildings. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, you don't have to. But very quickly, these kinds of ma- you know these kinds of mass hysteria ideas of what's clean and unclean spread throughout society. So that soon, um, the folks on the street, just guys and gals on the street, were enforcing that you know women wear shadors or, or wear headscarves, a job depending on where you are and depending on how conservative the city. So even today, although they're, they're much more liberal in big cities like Tehran, it's just more like New York in some sense. Um, still, the people that are on the street enforcing it are you know half the time just regular folks, guys and gals who just think you're being doing doing something wrong. And so we're 40 years in, 40 plus now years in, and you know, who's guess it could seem like it could go go another 40. And the books, there's, you know, there's books and books of of scientific, and I say that with true scare quotes, but it's like true Islamic rules as to why people should wear and dress what they're wearing when they're wearing it. And they come across as very rigorous, right? And of course there is no science underlying that, but the fact that there's no science underlying it doesn't slow it down at all. It just keeps on going. It has its own momentum and it's impossible to unravel that and the the society is enforcing it even bottom up. So imagine a situation like this where there really is a virus and it, it, it is really infectious and there's really science involved and there are scientists involved. Imagine how much harder it's going to be to, to, to roll this back. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's not a very optimistic out, outlook, but no, um, it's not. Yeah. And do, do you know what? Because the, so there are people, um, you've seen them, we've all seen them that will say there is no virus. Okay. There are people that will say that now I, I, I are on the side of, where you're coming from that there there is a virus but it's but it's been used to do do harm more than what the virus itself would do at this point um but but those people i think they're entitled to their belief um however if we went at people this is just my um my my dealing with the general public is that if we went at people with that attitude so there is no virus straight away uh, they're going to disengage. They're going to leave the conversation. There's no convincing them. They'll continue down the path. Whereas if we try and come at people with the data using the government's own data against them um, and and from a place of logic, calm and reason, I'm hoping maybe uh, on the ground that way we can turn things around. Because what I used to do um, when I was having conversations with people like say in a supermarket or something, and I wasn't in, I wasn't in the mask and they were, was I would give the data, I'd talk about E&E this, I would talk about um, scientists who have done the work and I, I, I would, I would then leave people with a conclusion, which was, so either this has been massively overblown or somebody's doing something nefarious. You decide which one, because if they decide either, you've still got them on side. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's it, it. There's a number of different ways to go with it. Uh, I, in terms of trying to, to unravel this, it, it, I'm not always convinced that you know. I certainly go through the arguments on Twitter, you know, yeah. uh, on terms of you know, the, have the interventions worked and how dangerous really is COVID. And I spend a lot of time doing that, but I don't. You know, my expertise is, and I can do data science, but you know, where I have special expertise in my own theoretical frameworks is more on the psycho-societal kinds of emergent phenomena, which requires a lot of math, 
but it's you know, not on well, my expertise are in business and finance right and i can tell you from that perspective the entire western world if we continue down this road economically is fucked um, right but my point is that even those sorts of arguments about how wrong they are about the risks of of COVID, how uh, exaggerated they are, uh, the interventions, benefits. In fact, they're not; they've been only harmful, and the risks and, de and detriments uh, to the economy. These arguments don't work on folks who are already uh, uh, in in the narrative. They're not yeah. listening. It is, they're just. This is only evidence that you are fucked up, right? right. This is not yeah. evidence that they're wrong. So I see myself. Certain the the people that I'm really arguing with when I'm on Twitter and I'm writing, you know, doing these YouTube videos, I'd say 99% of who I'm affecting is a lot of folks who just didn't. They were already on the fence. They're already open-minded. They want to hear. Yeah. They're confused. And so sometimes I'm giving substantive arguments about those data. Sometimes I'm giving the background. Why is it that you know that humans are susceptible to these things and societies can do these things? And then sometimes I'm just giving them confidence. I'm just. What they need is to see leaders that are science, that are scientists or experts in e economics or political science. They want to see that they believe that there's something, you know, going really wrong with society, and they need to see that we're confident, that we believe in ourselves, that we don't just have the arguments, that we're actually leaders. And what leaders do when you're in front of people, they don't go through all the data every time. That's not the place to go through all of the data. That's not the, the, the place to go through all of the reasons. It's there to show confidence and it's a really, it's an emotional signaling exercise. So, you know, all, the, all of us are doing, I'm doing it more consciously because I study emotion. My next book is Express a Human on the or, Origins of, of Emotional Expressions and what's their, what they're for. And it has a lot to do with, with the kinds of, these kinds of uh, societal effects. But, you know, that's what you're doing on this show. You're, you know, you're going through the arguments, but a lot of what you're doing is none of those arguments are really, yeah, they are convincing some people, but the real thing that you're doing is there's a lot of folks who are listening, hopefully if they're new, that were kind of open-minded, but they're, you know, they barely have heard what we have to say because they're hearing from the mainstream narrative all the time. And it's your confidence in what you're, they go, okay, there are people that really believe. So then they go look it on their, up on their own because they're not, you know, they're not even necessarily listening to the details, but it's your confidence that changes them to start going in and in, yeah. into it looking to the details themselves. Uh, and, and that's a great point because I keep, keep having fights on Twitter with clowns who think I'm their private researcher. But you this know? is it. Oh, you know, show me this, show me that, show yeah, me that. Yeah. Do your own, no, do, do your own damn research. I've got, a serious, I've got a serious question here and I don't ask this flippantly. On, on, do, do you think this is the start of the end days for this civilization? No, I mean, I mean, I, I'd say that the only extent to which I would say something that is, I mean, this is this is qualitatively unique only by virtue of the fact that it's quantitatively so much larger than uh, uh, otherwise identical, not identical, otherwise homologous events that have occurred at at smaller population sizes all over the world, many of them with, with much worse outcomes, like, you know, Hitler's Germany, you know, World War II overall, uh, the Cultural Revolution in, in China, in terms of numbers of dead, that was, of course, clearly worse. But in terms of the sheer scale, you know, in terms of spread, I would say this is qualitatively worse in terms of the, you know, the widespread. And that makes it sort of qualitatively unique, despite it being, you know, of the same kind as dozens and dozens of these other, both large and small kinds of hysterias. Um, so, uh, you know, and, and I think it's eventually going to, uh, you know, it could be with us for many years, 
And, but I think there hopefully will be some variability in that very, you know, especially in the United States. I so far so good. We see a lot of variability uh, in those places. Will you know you'll have people moving towards those places. Florida and Texas and, and yeah, Florida like that. Bahamas has been great. It's overall been better than I mean, Ohio. I mean, better than than Florida. But Florida now has has actual uh, uh, more laws now in place, at least with this governor, um, that uh, seems to potentially provide some momentum to make sure it's going to stay. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, sure. I mean, I saw the Governor DeSantis just yesterday, in fact, was uh, looking to um, dock the pay of school officials who introduced mask mandates. Um, yeah. And I, I think that that is that is I, I'm sorry, but people might say that's anti freedom. But I would say that's pro freedom, because what people don't seem to understand is Governor DeSantis is not telling people they can't wear masks. If people want to wear masks, if they yeah. want to make that choice, that will always yeah. be their choice. And that's the place where I would come from as well. And if as far as I know, these aren't just. Yeah, and they're not just executive orders because, and, and actually in Ohio, I think the legislative has also passed something again. I, have to, I haven't looked at the, I have to look at the, something that prevents uh, the, the state government from in, in, uh, declaring mandates in the same way they did last year. Good. The more these things are legislatively done rather than by executive order, the, the greater confidence you have in a state over the next 10 years. And that gives people confidence to invest in businesses and to move there and actually start a life there. Executive orders are at best temporary because who knows what the hell is going to happen when the next person comes in. Uh, yeah. And that's exactly what's happening in France right now. Macron is is imposing executive orders in effect. They're just presidential decrees. Yeah. yeah. And he's pushing them through as, as laws. But, you know, they're very short term. This one's supposed to finish on November the 15th, so we'll see what happens. But the the French people have been out every weekend, riot. Well, not well. Yeah, they have been rioting in in Paris. Um, the the fire service have gone on strike in Paris, and there's a hospital in the south of France has gone on strike because you know the staff don't want vaccine yeah. passports and they don't want to be forced to take the vaccine. Yeah, and that's I, I mean, you know. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say that 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 is a good start. That is a good thing, but um, in this day and age, it just feels like protests are not heard. They're not listened to. I mean, especially here in the UK, um, there's a couple of couple of very large scale protests, hundreds of thousands of people uh, every month. A couple of them, in fact, march through London, and still the still the cogs keep turning. So people ask me all the time, like, there's one this coming Saturday that I will be at live and I'll be covering live, um, in in central London. And people people ask me, oh, what's the point in doing this? What's the point in doing this? But I will say, if anything, right, we know that they're pretty useless in terms of um, actually stopping the cogs turning. But what they are doing is there are people like you, John. There are people like me, people in my chat right now who are saying they're depressed and they feel very alone. They feel very lonely uh, in their local communities. And, and it's well, a day for them to come together and just not feel alone. And in that well, respect, and, these things are brilliant. And you're back to showing confidence. Yes. Yeah, it goes, it goes to the conference. Right now, the mainstream uh, uh, news networks are not showing them. Uh, it's just, but but even without that, they're seeing one another, and it's boosting their uh, their confidence that they're on the right path. And so, eventually, these things could become sufficiently large uh, that they just can't be ignored. Uh, well, you because, say that because in London uh, in July, it was nearly a million people, and yeah. and still it was it was ignored, and, and it was ignored to the point where the mainstream media gave it maybe 10 minutes lip service and said that some anti-vaxxers were violent, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it just wasn't that. 
it just wasn't that like I, I'm on the ground at pretty much all of these things and I stream them live so that people yeah. can see what's really happening. Yeah. And I, I, I'm I'm what so about the, what, what about the invasion of the BBC building? Did that did that get more coverage than the than the million strong march? Yes, of course it did. Yeah. Of course it so did maybe, because maybe maybe things like that need to keep happening. And and who set the who set the mast on fire in the middle I didn't of the see that. Oh, somebody burnt down a BBC, well, a, a TV mast. Oh, really? In the middle of nowhere, and there was an a, a MSM outage in that area for like six hours because the mast had gone. Oh wow! Um, well, well, like like you say, it seems to be that if they can paint us in a bad light, they will because uh, it might be the confidence thing again. Because if they were to paint us and show us, you know, being confident uh, in a good light and and showing us being together a sense of community and stuff like that people might watch and think i want to do that and then they might come to the next one so it's it's incumbent on the media the government the powers that be to paint us in as bad a light as possible so that people don't want to come and join our movement um i i am i am i am I am staunchly anti-violent. Um, I'm a disabled man myself. When I go to these things, I'm on a mobility scooter. You know, I stayed away from the protests last year for fear that if something did go wrong, get violent. I'm in a situation where I can't get out of there fast enough. Um, but I felt confident now. I, I feel confident enough. And hundreds of people come up to me when I'm at these things and thank me for what I've done over this last year. Um and so I, I, I feel I feel such a sense of community and a, such a, a sense of confidence within these gatherings. We're talking about that. Um, that 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 must be why they have to show us in as bad a light as possible. Because if they were to just say, you know, seven hundred, eight hundred thousand people marched through London and they had a, you know, they had a real sense of community camaraderie and they just basically had a giant street party, which is essentially what they are. Um, People might go, oh, that looks good, and they don't want that. Yeah, yeah, they don't. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the standard McKay, the standard McKay, uh, Charles McKay, that old uh, mass hysteria, mass delusions, and the madness of crowds book, or whatever it's called. You know, we all, we, I, I don't know what he's, you know, there's, there, the data that he could have had was was fairly fairly uh, bad back in the 1850s when it was written in terms of good data, but he certainly probably is nevertheless right that we go into mass hysterias all at once and we come out one individual at a time. And of course, it, it doesn't mean that it's one, you know, each of us, as there's more and more of us, we're all convincing small, you know, uh, people that were on the border, not fully brainwashed more and more. And over time, this can add up. And I, that's, I'm not expecting there to be a moment when suddenly you have like build the German magazine apologize. I don't expect anybody to be apologizing because they're part of mainstream narratives where their reputation has been built within their networks by virtue of them saying, you know, uh, uh, very uh, uh, COVID is super dangerous and these interventions are totally working and wear your mask. They've been saying that for the last year and a half um, and they've grown in reputation and they're not going to back down because they think, oh, I'm going to lose my reputation. No, they believe that they're right because they gained in reputation within their community. That's a good sign that they're right. Their, their communities gave them reputation, um, rewarded them reputation, so to speak, by virtue of, of, of uh, what they've been saying. And that's how you know, generally speaking, that you've been saying true things. That's how when, when social networks are working like they're supposed to. So, but over time, the hope would be that the currency 
in some sense, the, the currency of those networks loses value because the other social, the other social networks with a different alternative mainstream narrative becomes larger and larger. And over time, um, we start to have a more valuable currencies like sort of the American economy rising relative to, let's say, you know, the Canadian uh, currency. And over time, more and more people want to get in on the American currency because it's more valuable. It's going places. And these kinds of things are not just uh, uh, sort of metaphors. You can actually work there. They really are. We really, you know, there's different reputation currencies. Reputation currency is the most important currency in any social animal's life. And within different social communities, with social, different social narratives, there really are different currencies that, you know, we mutually disvalue the other because we're not part of those communities. And you can have, and so th that's over the long haul. What we're hoping to see is that our community rises and it starts to gain more people and or it has a good velocity upwards that other people start abandoning ship and moving to ours. And, and they're not thinking, oh, I want to abandon ship because my currencies. No, they just see that other people who are, are gaining reputation over there and they see that, well, maybe they're right. You know, it's all there's always two explanations going on. There's what people are thinking and what drives them. And then there's the larger scale uh, uh, explanation, which applies at the societal level, which is quite different th than what's going on at the individual brain level. I have to start heading out, though, now, guys. Yep. This was a pleasure to be here. No, that's it. That's fantastic, Mark. And um, if you just want to remind people your website and Twitter handle. Yep. Sell yeah. yourself, baby. Yeah, well, so I'm, I'm Mark Cengizi. Cengizi is, you know, it's actually my last name is Genghis Khan. And the way that Persians say Genghis Khan is Changiz Khan. So it's just Cengizi, Chang and then I-Z-I. -I. So Mark Cengizi, I'm at Twitter, at YouTube. I'm Mark Cengizi, my Science Moment series. I'm at, I got a Telegram channel. I'm at changizi.com. You can find my research and my books on why we see the way we do, why we have language and music. Thank you. Um, you know, uh, I've got uh, books on the origins of, of, of art and, uh, and and another book coming up on the origins of expressions coming out next year. So, so uh, my, that... my tech guy is posting yeah. all of your websites in the chat oh. <laughs> right now. <laughs> so you can oh. find him at changizi.com, twitter.com forward slash Mark Changizi, freex.group, um, right, vineoptics.com. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Vino Optics, my 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 main company that supports me. Oh, Vino. We sell colorblind. We sell colorblind glasses. I'm the guy that, by the way, uh, uh, 2006. I discovered why we primates evolved color vision. Our color vision, the red green vision that we have that dogs don't have and other bunny rabbits don't have, is to see blood under the skin so that you can see emotions and health in other people. This is what allows you to see the sort of the glow of youth and veins under the skin. All these blushes and blanches is because of a peculiar kind of color vision that we humans and other primates evolved. So my company, Vino Optics, we patented after that discovery, uh, ways, just glasses that you wear that let you see the states of the blood under the skin better. So we've oh, got, wow. we both enhance colorblind folks, can see color for the first time the way it's supposed to be, which allowing you to see these states. And then we have vein finder market for paramedics and nurses and so forth. VinoOptics.com. Brilliant. And uh, thanks for joining us, Mark. It's been great. Absolutely, it has. All right. Bye-bye, uh, guys. See bye. you later, man. Thank you. I think Mark is still connected, John. Um, I will kick it. What I'll do is I'll kick him off. Okay. Um, there he goes. Thank you. Well, I, I want to thank Mark. We can continue for a little bit if you want, John. Um, I'm, I'm going to ask the question because I can see the glass, but I know the answer already. What is the wine of the midweek, John? The wine of the midweek. Is this old sausage here? Perrier, is it? Perrier. 
Perry A. Um, oh, look, there's me. I'm in the tiki bar. But after tonight, I think I might have to start drinking again. You Mark. might have to start drinking again. Did me and, did me and Mark depress you, John? Not so much you. Um, Mark kind of did depress me a bit because he's 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 very good, you know, at the stuff he's talking about. And he obviously knows what he's talking about. And, yeah. um, you know, it, it, it's... It's depressing to hear that America's doing so well as well <laughs> compared to Europe. Well, <laughs> what the fuck is going on in this world? Well, what's going on is, like he was saying, America's very federalized and yeah, therefore yeah. states can do their own thing, so to speak. Also, look at this, John. But so, so Spain and France. Yeah, They're but look at that as well. But, but look at this, John, right? Off topic completely. Uh, I've got the new camera going and look how much clearer I am. Yeah, it's quite disappointing. Yeah, what? That I'm nice and clear. <laughs> it's good, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, you know what? I, I'm, I'm, I'm like quite happy, and I'm just going to stick with the, you know, the kind of blur. So that <laughs> I, I've got, I've got, I've got myself a, a nice 1080p camera here that costs. Well, I, I managed to get it for half price, so I'm quite happy. That's all um, right. But it was an upgrade of the of the same one that I had. So How did you I get it for a half price. Well, it was just on Amazon for for half right. price. So I was just like, well, I'll have that. Yeah, that's all I mean, right. I mean, I was willing to pay more, and I didn't fucking want to pay more, but I was willing to pay more. But I'm glad, I'm glad I got it at the price that I did. Um, Shalini says, go back to the tiki bar. I'm not going back to the tiki bar. Try it. Uh, uh, no, Try it. no, Try it. no. See if it works. All right, I'll go to the fucking tiki bar. Give me a second. All right, tropical sunset. Hey, there we are. Oh, we're going. yeah, but we're tiny. Yeah, okay. We're absolutely tiny. You but can't both, see us. Why did we both... How come we both worked? Is it a time uh, thing? I have no I idea. I bet we tried that with Mark. It would have worked. I have no idea. Hold on. I've got me... I've got me... I've got me coffee here. Look. I've got me coffee. Yeah, put us back in the classroom because we are... I'll put, I'll, I'll put us back in the classroom, shall I, John? Yeah. Hold on. Let's put us in the birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm not putting us in the birthday party. No, no, John. No, we we should we should go back to the classroom. Um, appara apparently, everybody loves the tiki bar. I mean, Lisa says we love the tiki bar, but I know that Lisa has her own actual tiki bar in her house. So uh, that that is later later in the year. That is where I intend to go and get absolutely smashed drunk. Is at Lisa's tiki bar. She just doesn't know it yet. So, so, um, maybe, what did uh, everybody think to us having a guest? Because that was that was a trial run, wasn't it, John? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I I think it, I, I think it was um, educational. Absolutely, uh, yeah. people people loved it in the chat. So brilliant, very interesting. Oh, thumbs no, up. I, yeah. From from my perspective, I think we lost some of our our give and take that we normally have. Oh oh yeah, that, that it was a very different. Um, yeah, it's a different. I would say, you know, it, it was more like a chasing levelty type interview, except with two of us. So um, what I'm what I'm thinking is then, if we're going to do guests, we do them on a different uh, different scale of show, maybe. Or we do them once a month. Yeah, once once a month sounds good to me. 
Once yeah. a month sounds good. To me. Oh, look, the captain's chair has made it into the classroom. So my class chair has turned into the captain's chair. Um, but um, so uh, Vaughn says I like him. Very unexpected. Adam says I was repairing tiles for the first half hour, but I was listening. And Natasha says I enjoyed the conversation. Um, Lisa says uh, very interesting. So people did like it. People really enjoyed it. Good, good. Um, yeah, I, I, I had a good interview with Mark the first time round. I must say it's nice a lot of stuff, but it's nice for us both to actually um, have a conversation with someone who, who, you know, we we do have our back and forth, right? We do have our back and forth, but we know what we're talking about, right? We know what we're talking about. And many of the people that would attack us, John, have no fucking clue what they're talking about. Okay. Let me just say it as it is. And it's nice to have that conversation. Even, even, you know, there wasn't much I could have disagreed with the man on, to be honest. But even no. even if we were to have a conversation with somebody and I vehemently disagree with them, if we were to have that conversation on the level that we just had, I would be very happy. Yeah. Um yeah. because we, we all knew where we where where we were, we all knew where we stood, and we were all on the same level. And um, like I say, there's so many people, uh, especially on the social medias and stuff, um, that have got no fucking clue what they're talking about, John. Yeah. And it's 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 frustrating to ha- try and have a conversation with somebody who's not in any kind of no. And um, Irish girl Shalini asks you, did you enjoy the coffee she got you? I did. Thank you very much. Is it that bottle of Perrier? No, no, I haven't spent. I haven't completely spent it all yet. In fact, I got funded to the tune of four people. Oh wow! Yeah, that's so, a good start. Now getting funded. So yes, we just keep it up. But that was, uh, that was good. It was very much appreciated. And I was actually wondering if we should, if, if they would want to be mentioned in the credits for the podcast. Oh. I wouldn't obviously put out their full email, but just a first name or something. Well, anybody that was... Uh, anybody game... that funded me, I would put their, I'd put them in the credits for the podcast. Oh, so I, I know that Shalini bought you a coffee. I know that... Oh, I, know that. I mean, I can, I can drop them in, but... Yeah, I don't, well, I don't like that or not. So I said, well, people might wish to remain anonymous. I will. I will wait to see if there is an answer to that in the chat, John. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, in fact, I I was very amiss because although I said I'd not been funded, and yeah, I think was it Natasha had said she'd bought it me was, a coffee, yeah. and um, and and I looked up and she had. There was a guy the week before bought me a coffee, so. Big apologies to Andrew. <laughs> so you didn't, you didn't know. Natasha says she's not fussed either way. It should have come through my email, and and all the the, the ones that came through the other uh, from Sunday, they all actually did come through on email. But the, this first one hadn't. But um, I have, I have, um, I have publicly now said thank you very much for that, and I apologise for decrying. My my funding audience has not funding. So, okay, um, Natasha says she's not fast either way. But Vaughn says if you're doing shout outs, can you put his name? Well, he's going to put his name as Nicola Sturgeon. Yeah, that's fine. Eh? That's fine. Yeah, it was fucking. Someone kept buying me. Um, well, when I had the GoFundMe job, yeah, someone kept donating fivers. And those fivers would have names on them, like Karl Marx, Nicholas Sturgeon, Chris Whitty, Anthony Fauci. <laughs> what are you? Like a hat list. 
was, 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 was it Vaughn? <laughs> was it you, Vaughn? Because <laughs> some, somebody kept somebody kept doing this over and over That's again. Like, I think one of them. It's like, you could think you could think yourself in a almost like in a a Jason Bourne type episode and somebody's sending you the the, your kill list so you'd go fund me Adam says that he did Chris Whitty but didn't do the others but there was jumped on it or maybe somebody saw it and jumped on it but there were loads of them there's just fivers just like like I say Pol Pot Karl Marx uh, cool. the has your wife just entered the trailer, John? No, no, no well, one you, has. You looked up like somebody was there, and you. Oh, I thought you was going to be like, yes, dear. You're fucking beast, son. Hold on. What's, what's going on? I'm just killing. Okay. He's 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 doing a murder. He's doing a murder. France, France, France is a fucking battlefield. Believe me, I know, like, every time I drive back from Paris, by the time I get back to the Euro Tunnel, my car is just covered in bugs. And I mean, nothing, nothing like, like, you could drive all the way across England, you're not going to get anything like that. But every time I drive back... About that size. Ooh. And they can fly. But I tell you what, John, fucking pressure washer doesn't get them off. So you're just going... Like you know, crazy you need, bastard. You, you remember those um remember those plastic scourers? Not not the ones with sponges around. Remember they were just plastic and they had yes. wee holes. You know, they were yes. kind of like, looped. They are fantastic for taking bugs off cars. I I, I was gonna say because like it's just um it's just it's insane. I drive it's about a three and a half hour drive from a bit less actually, three hour drive from Paris to Calais. And in that time, yeah, you're doing 80 mile an hour the whole way, so you are just hitting whatever's in the air at speed. But by the time you get back there, your whole front grate on your car is just covered. And um, it's... But the thing is, I live on the south coast, quite literally. The the beach is 200 foot from my house, right? Mm -hmm. On a clear day, I can literally see France. I can Mm -hmm. see France from where I am. That's how close we are. And yet you don't get that when you're driving across here. You don't get what? The bugs. Oh, right, I see what you mean, yeah. But yeah. I, I, can, I can see France. From, yeah. Uh, but it happens over there. It doesn't happen here. I've, why have I been told to wave at John? Wave at John, okay. Shalini says wave at John. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I don't know, John. I, I don't know. So how has uh, how has life been with the past sanitaire? That's what I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, well, no real difference apart from the fact you can't sit outside and have a coffee. Have they, have they actually stopped you? Well, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they won't serve you. Fucking hell. Can you go in and get a coffee and come out? Yes. Yes, you can. <laughs> so what you're telling me is, right, you can go in. What the fuck? What? What, why? what the hell happened there? Did it just lock up? Oh, nothing here. Right. I, 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 I'd frozen on screen. Right. So, yes, you can, you can walk, walk in. You can buy a coffee to take away, and you can walk out with the coffee. But you can't sit down. You can't sit down outside. 
You can't take down out. Which is a have you? you I, you I can't sit down inside or outside. I, I know you said yes. So, so Shalini, yes, you you can get a takeaway, which means you can go into the building with Sans Sans Pass Sanitaire. You can go into the building. You might even there might even be a fucking huge queue. You can stand in the queue. Well, you can the, wait. The, the bakers the other day. The bakers the other day. There was like fifteen people queuing to get into the bakers. I was in the queue without a mask because I refused to put a mask on until I'm actually at the door. And then I only put it on here. So my um, big nose is poking out. So uh, Lisa asks, like can you go in the supermarket? Yes. Yeah, because they were going to do that, wasn't wasn't they? And then they, yeah, they rolled it back. Supermarket, no problem. No problem. Um, and and there's a kind of mini mall around the supermarket here, and there was no issue. Uh, but are you meant to not be able to get into the mini mall? Or did uh, they roll that back? No, it's a size thing. So I think okay. 20,000 square meters. Now that, that to me, I think that's about six acres. So that's a fucking big supermarket or a big mall. Well, yeah, I mean... Um, Oshan might, I think Oshan might, might be big enough. But the rest Some Oshans, yes. Um, but yeah. I, also, um, I tell you, there's a, super, there's, a, there's a shopping center called Val de Europe near Paris. And it's the fucking biggest shopping center I've ever been to. It's got a full size Alshan with two floors inside it, right? Yeah. I wouldn't get um, into that. We wouldn't get in there. No, no. Which is, what's the difference? Um, Shalini says, what, like Westfield or something? Uh, how about we uh, we take Westfield and we we make it five times the size? And that's where we'll get. Um, it's, it's the biggest thing I've ever been in. Um, walking from one end of it to the other takes about 15 minutes. Um, it's ridiculous, and like I say, there's a full size Alshan with two floors with a travelator going down the middle of it inside it. It's the biggest shopping center I've ever been in, in my life, and I've been in some American shopping centers, you know. <laughs> um, so I wouldn't be able to get in there, then what you're no. saying, yeah, I wouldn't get, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to get in there. Uh, but- yeah, look, Chris Whitty has joined us in the chat. Oh God, Chris Whitty has joined us in the chat. Will that be Vaughn? Or... It'll be Vaughn, yeah. It, yeah. It, it'll be it'll be Vaughn. <laughs> um, they're all saying it in the chat. Uh, Chris Whitty has joined. Are, are there any exemptions to the pass on a tear? Lisa asks. Not that I can. Well, you can have a test. Yeah, but you have to pay for it, don't you? Well, no, not if you're um, not if you're at the moment at this moment in time, if you're covered by the French social security system, you don't need to pay for it. Okay, because uh, that was that was one of the that was one of the things that, that Macron was I, saying to I, me. Was yeah, I think they'll probably change it, but at the moment you don't need to pay. Um, but the test the test now lasts for seventy two hours. It was um, going it was going to be forty eight, but it's now seventy two. So, uh, Chris Whitty says 12 to 17 year olds exempt from health pass until August 30th. Is that correct? Uh, September the 30th. Of September the 30th. So, because they, they are going to try and make over 12 year olds have it to go to school, aren't they? Yes, um, they are. And that's going to be problematic. Oh, yeah, of course it is. Uh, I mean, because we all know that the French do like a good protest. Not that it's being televised or anything, John, but they do like a good protest. <laughs> well, they've been out every weekend. And, and, say, and they were out the, the day they passed that law, you know, the, the Macron's decrees, the day they passed that 
the the French were out that night on the streets. They were, and uh, didn't somebody build a guillotine? Uh, did, put up yeah, a guillotine. I, I'm not I'm not sure if that was that night, but you know, sometimes people post pictures and you don't know how accurate they you are. You don't know when they're from. Um, uh, so apparently you can get a hidden disabilities lanyard slash card in French. Uh, Chris Whitty says no health pass at places of worship. So they've made churches and mosques and the like. That's, them. that's correct. You can go to church. So you can all still pray without a pass. Yeah, says, uh, you can go oh. to church. So you can go to church. You can go into the coffee shop or the bakers or yeah. anywhere and, and you can get your stuff. Um you have to have GP exemption for masks in France. That's absolutely correct because I got a GP exemption for that exact reason, Natasha. When I when I flew to France, when I drove to France, I've got a GP's exemption letter um, because it is it's a legal requirement in France. So um, not that anyone ever asked to see it. I might add, I was walking around maskless. Um, I was in Charles de Gaulle Airport, maskless, and there were cops with guns i was the only person in there fucking maskless i mean they they must have been like well he got off a plane maskless so he's probably exempt so because uh, i flew maskless as well which was weird right because obviously planes john very confined space and yeah. uh being the only one there whose face is out um in, in fact, on my way back, when I flew back from France, the the EasyJet, uh, I was I was just having a conversation with the cabin girls, and they got so comfortable, they moved me to the front row, which is extra leg room, right? Yeah. And then they started buying me drinks, because um, <laughs> we were just having a conversation about it. And, and her mask, she's she's a head cabin lady, and her mask came off, and we were having a conversation. It was just me and her mask that's on the plane. She'd buy me drinks. We had a great conversation. It was a great time. Um, <laughs> But it's it's just very very odd. Um, I despair, John. I, I absolutely despair for the the state, the sake, the sake of humanity and the sake. You're you're further down, you know. You're further across the Rubicon than we are at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I think but, there's still fire in the bellies, though, of some of the French. So we'll see. What this happens. is it. I'll yeah. be in central London live streaming this Saturday for the People's March starts at Charing Cross Railway Station and it marches uh, through in a big circle back down to Downing Street. Uh, so I'll be there. I'll be covering that. And if the if the streaming isn't working again, then I'll just film it and put it out in bits. Either way, lots of footage from what actually happens on the ground um, will will happen. I, th uh, I think they'll throttle on the networks. I feel like it when I'm in central London as well. Um, Either that or it's overloaded with the amount of people trying to stream. That is that is also a possibility. Uh, will you be going to Poitiers this Saturday? Yes, I think I will be taking a visit up to Poitiers and see how things are. See if there's another protest. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's see if I can get into Leclerc. Because so, see what size that is. So what you're saying is uh, Sunday's uh, Sunday's show is going to be quite interesting. It's going to be an interesting conversation because we're going to yeah. have. We'll see what else has happened in the world. Um, before we before we wrap it up, did you see the MIT study? Uh, I, I I I did see the MIT study that says that people who are vaccine hesitant are the smart ones. And that's 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 you guys. That's yes. you guys. You are you are intelligent. Uh, basically, uh, people who are vaccine hesitant are more likely to base their uh, their um, 
their opinion on facts and data, it says. Yes. You're scientifically literate. Scientifically literate, you're yes. you're sophisticated with the use of data. So how long until that study gets suppressed, John? Oh, I'm surprised it even got out, to be honest. MIT, Shalini, MIT. Yeah, this MIT. Is MIT. Yeah. The Massachusetts Institute of Technology, I believe. That is it. Yep. Big, uh, pretty, uh, pretty influential college. I think one of the most influential colleges in, on earth. Any tech person will, will always, uh, worth their salt, will always say, well, I studied at MIT. Yeah, um, Chris Whitty says that he's going to the protest and will be disguised as right, said Fred. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is this is the caliber of my chat quarter to ten. Yeah. <laughs> An attacker says, coming on, isn't it? I'm saying my tan's coming on. Well, yeah, well, I'm just under blue and white lights, so uh, you can't see mine. I've um, it's uh, it's. It's to be 32 degrees tomorrow. Um, well, uh, Scorpio. I, I don't envy you. I, I don't envy And the thing is, once again, it Scorpio, won't be 32. Scorpio, Scorpio. But it won't be 32 degrees here, and I can see France. It's amazing, isn't it? How, how temperatures and weather of places so close are so different. Yeah, I know. That's crazy. I, I That's can cool. literally see fucking France. I can see it on a nice clear day I could get in a little rowboat and kill myself trying to row over there that's um, amazing you know you, you, you know see when you live in Scotland right yeah and the BBC or or, or ITV or whatever are doing the, the forecast and yeah. they start in England and you think what the fuck you know why have they got you know 28 degrees and sunny and, and we're at 12 and pushing with rain do you know what, John? I quite like it when it's 12 degrees and piss of rain because, first of all, I can when it's nice and cold, I can put on layers. I can put on as many layers as I want to keep nice and warm, right? But when it gets too fucking hot, John, I crawl up in the fetal position and want to die. Right, okay, fair point. <laughs> I, I having said that, I, you, you do get acclimated to the, um, to the, the heat. It does happen because... Um, Last Sunday, it was quite cool here. I think right. it was around about, I think it was around about nineteen or twenty. Yep. And and see when I went to bed in the van. Yep. I was cold. I had to put, I had to cuddle under the duvet to try. You went, and to, bed, up. You went to bed in the van. Yeah, I just stayed over. I stayed over. Well, I've been drinking, remember? So I just stayed over. Okay. Okay. We're back. Were you on the naughty step, John? No, not at all. No. <laughs> it's, 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 well, if you if you forget though, it's um, it's it's quarter to what time is it now? Quarter to eleven here at night. Yeah, that's true. Uh, do you know what? The other side of the desk, I've got room for another person or a camp bed, right? Ah, and, uh, okay. yeah. and I keep I keep threatening the wife. I'm just like, piss me off. I'll go and sleep. I'll go and sleep. I'll go sleep at the studio. Right? As if it's some kind of punishment for me to make me do it. Yeah. It's fucking bliss, John. It's bliss being in here. I love oh, it in here. I, look, I've got coffee machine, John. I've got coffee I've got, machine. I've got a full kitchen. You've got a full... I've got, I, all, I, all I need is a coffee machine. And I've a got shower, coffee. And a shower. <laughs> and a shower. Yeah, and well... I've got six... Well, I've got a dinette, a couch, I've got TV on my laptop, I've got yeah. all the power I need... 
because well, of I, I've, got my, I've got my laptop here and I've got a 22 inch screen hanging hanging vertically in the air right I've got I've got a 22 inch screen hanging on an arm which are yeah. which all of your chats up on now uh, and and what the camera's mounted to as well so when I'm looking at your guys chats the camera's mounted above it um so when I'm looking right now I'm actually looking at I've got two screens I could watch two films John I could watch two films yeah. at the same time sorry uh, good <laughs> I watched them um, I watched Adam, the, Adam says bloody posh what, John with his fancy mobile studio well it's yeah, but it's it's old. It's old. It's yeah. not it's not that posh. Um but yeah, it's uh I watched that film last night, Tenant. Okay. And it was wasn't that great, I didn't think. Right. See I, I watched uh what film did I watch uh, the other day? I, oh yeah, I've got a VPN and a HBO Max subscription, so I watched the um yeah. the, the new Suicide Squad film. Oh, I've seen that, yeah. It was re- I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good though. I yeah. thought it was. I thought it was I've very. Got, um, I've got a VPN. I've got a VPN and uh, a subscription to all the all the UK channels that cost me eighty pounds a year. Yeah, so I, I've I've got I've got me. You say so you've got something illegal. Um, I've I've got I've got my VPN, no. and then I actually sign up to the, to the providers. Like, so I'm signed up to HBO Max, and I, 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 when I want to watch when 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 I want to watch let the kids watch something on Disney Plus, I make sure that I'm signed into the American version because it's got more shit on it for them to watch. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. Dominic Cummings reminds me of a weasel out of the Suicide Squad. Says Chris Whitty. <laughs> Just falls, just falls, falls out of a, falls out of a, falls out of a plane and just drowns. I, I was thinking more Neil Ferguson. Oh really? Oh really? Um, King King Shark was uh, probably you, John. No. Big beefy and uh, ripping people apart. Oh, thanks very much. Oh yeah. I'm definitely, I'm definitely staying on the diet now. Have you lost any more weight, John? Uh, I've only lost I think I've only lost a pound since Sunday but yeah, but the, remember it was on the beer on it was on the beer on Sunday that's so true. I probably put me back on that's true but can you've, be you've, you've still lost a pound so uh, yeah yeah right ladies and gentlemen and John this here is a pack of acoustic guitar strings Ernie Balls oh, hybrids right. I, so my, my audience do like a song every now and again um and i uh i snapped my guitar string when i last played to them and i haven't been i haven't been asked to replace it for god knows how long since uh obviously building a new studio and stuff like that um so uh, i will endeavor tomorrow to replace the strings and do up the guitar and i might sing you all the lockdown song that'll make them happy john and you've got a guest tomorrow, have you? Yes, I, that's that's yes, yes, yes. Right, you you you've also you've also reminded two shows tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. Two shows tomorrow. Uh, no, there won't be two shows tomorrow. There will be one show tomorrow, which will be at one p.m. One p.m. with Dino Jochim, who uh, runs owns and runs the Nightingale Hotel in uh, the Isle of Wight, and we're going to be talking about as much non-COVID stuff as possible. We're going to be talking about what he's been going through. He's been away to Cancun and 
Um, he's buying a nightclub and he's bought a motorcycle. And we're just going to catch up with Dino and see how he's getting on with his life. Um, and I'm still going to go over there at some point. I'm still going to go over to the Isle of Wight and stay with Dino. It's just, um, it's just been a matter of time and money. And, you know, the hotel room's there for us, which is brilliant. And uh, we will accept the offer. But at the same time, I've got to pay for, you know, fuel and driving and taking the kids out meals and things like that so it's not just as simple as you know taking the room but we will do it it's just a case of when we can do it also saturday both me and john will be at protests in our respective countries and yep. we, will, we will report on them or i will be reporting on london live for uh, uh, the duration of the event, if I can. And if any of you in the chat would like to join us in London, please feel free to uh, come meet us, join us, and come say hello if, 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 or spend a day with us. And if anyone would like to join me in Poitiers, feel free. I would love to join you in Poitiers, but I'm not getting a test. No. No, I'm not getting a test. So Has this, spot- been, your, um, has this been your, trip to, your October trips off? Not at the moment. We're we're keeping so we haven't cancelled it. What we're doing is we're keeping a close eye on the situation, what the French do, whether or not things are rolled back. What we're hoping is that it gets to lateral flows at, at the very least, because then you could just take them out of the box and scan the barcode and say you're negative. You don't actually have to do the test. Um, but I I don't even want to do that, but. John, I've got to get away. This is what people don't understand. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to go and get a double jab to go away. But if I can, if I can no. just scan the barcode of a lateral flow test, I will, because I've got to yeah. get away. Um, I, I, I need to get away. People, and what about your Butlins trip? Uh, well, Butlins have announced uh, vaccine passports. However, there is a caveat. Currently, they are only for the 18-plus live music weekends. Uh, They're not actually enforced for family trips. So currently, it's from September, and it's for the 18-plus live music weekends. So um, That's not so bad. Well, that's not so bad, but then at the same time, um, if they do introduce them, I'm going to turn around, I'm going to turn up, and I'm just going to say I'm exempt. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? I'm just yeah. going to. I'm just so sorry. I'm exempt from that, just like I did with the masks. Just like you know, uh, the, the, I am exempt, so I'm not lying. But then I, I would say anybody who wants to be exempt is exempt because it's your body, ladies and gentlemen. And if you decide that you are exempt, I believe you are exempt. I love you, John. I love this show. <laughs> <laughs> I do. That, that sounded very heartfelt and touching. And I, I, I can't believe we're at episode 15, man. No, I know, I know. Um, so it's like our 18th actual conversation, because we had three before our first case, Chasing Descent. Yeah, yeah. I, how many times did we record that? Uh, well, the, the, it, was, it was two for you when, when you yeah. interviewed me, and then I had you back on, That's on right. my show. Yeah. And, and then... Um, then, then, then that was it. You, you, you messaged me one day and was like, "I like our conversations. We should continue these." And I said, "Yes, yes, we should." Yeah. And chasing dissent was born. That was indeed. And we are fifteen episodes deep. We are. So on that note, I think it might be time to end the show. Um, 
I will, I will, I will whore myself out a little bit because I, going to London this Saturday is going to be extremely expensive for me. It's like 100, 150 pound day. Um, so if anybody can help me out uh, towards that, it's buymeacoffee.com forward slash descent. That's buymeacoffee.com forward slash descent. And if you would like to support John, it's over to John. It's buymeacoffee.com forward slash Jaipo. J-A-I-P-O, Jaipo. I'm going to ask you on Sunday where that name came from. Yeah, you can. I I assume it's an amalgamation of John Porter. Well, not really. Okay. Well, it kind of is an amalgamation of John Porter, but I'll tell you why it came about. Um, In fact, I might even... I I was considering writing a book, not not about the name, but about the things that go along with how I got the name and everything else. Okay, so, so that that's a story in itself that we will talk about on Sunday. Yeah, so um, come to talk about. Apart so, from it's the, o- uh, so it's over to you, John, to sign off the show. So it's good night from Chasing Descent, episode fifteen with Mark Changizi, um, and a big shout out to Mark for his his um, attendance on the show and his forthright and erudite wisdom. Yes, a brilliant, brilliant guest to have. It was a, it was a great conversation, and uh, you can find him at changizi.com or twitter.com forward slash Mark Changizi. And as always, you can find us on Twitter. Um, usually, for now. To, sorry, for now until they censor us. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm surprised I haven't been banned yet. Um, but anyway, we, you can find us on Twitter. Um, usually, making um, a Serbic comment, shall yes. we say? And uh, you can find us also on chasingliberty.life and at Descent Media. Descentmedia.com, is it? .co.uk. Where we're live right now, by the way. So if anybody is watching on the website, we wouldn't see that they're watching. So we are live on the website as well. You know what? I I really do need to... now I've got the office in the studio, I'm going to start working on the on the on the website a lot more. So the website's going to become quite prominent. Um, so uh, Shalini says, "Great show team." So on that, um, it's goodbye from me. Yep, and it's goodbye from him. Good night. Good night. Take away those diamonds. I don't need those rocks. A second-hand car and a new pair of socks. I want liberty without. Roll up the carpet from the floor I don't want to be your prisoner no more I want liberty without conditions I want liberty on my conditions too loud. Give me a guitar and I'll play to the crowd. I want liberty without conditions. Take away that job. I don't want to work. I'll stay at home and play in the dirt. I want liberty without conditions. I want liberty on my conditions.
Liberty on my conditions. 